You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Crump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and the SoundCloud today. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump, and with me as always from far, far away is Mike the Cranky Fan. Aloha, Grump. Greetings from Maui, Hawaii, where I'm sitting on my balcony overlooking the Pacific Ocean. Enjoying my break after a very big win against our arch rivals, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Arch rivals are probably nobody else listening to this other than me and the Grump, but we saved ourselves having to pay for an enormously expensive dinner to T. Chili and Jeff NYC. So thank you, Giants. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's a, it's, a, it's going to be a very magical Christmas this year with a couple extra bucks in my wallet thanks to a Giants victory. Giants took over the game pretty early and – uh, scored 38 points, the most I've seen in what feels like forever. Um, 38 to 31 over the Buccaneers at home. I mean, I I was freezing my ass off at the game. I can't speak for the cranky fan. <laughs> I was actually watching the game on a flight from San Francisco to Seattle, and then from Seattle out to Maui. So I did not have the uh, the luxury of any sound on any of these games, but I was able to watch about 95% of it. So, I mean, the big thing we really need to discuss today is not necessarily what we did, but what does it really mean? I, I guess the reaction after the game has been pretty interesting from Giant fans on social media, where all of a sudden they think we are now in the hunt for the playoffs. And I think we need to recalibrate and reset expectations for what you know the last two weeks have really meant and where this team is really going on the short-term and intermediate-term basis. And uh, speaking of social media, you can find our podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud, where it is also bumped on Twitter at at JustGiantsPod. Uh, I am also on Twitter at, at football underscore grump, and the Cranky Fan can be found at at the Cranky Fan. Yes, and I will preface this program by saying I have had five Mai Tais today, so... Don't hold anything I say today personally for what I really believe, but uh, we'll we'll get through this program together. So. You will notice no difference whatsoever. <laughs> Fair enough, Grump. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, there there are two ways to look at this game. We can we can look at this as a game the way we would look at any game uh, for a competitive season, and we can take a step back and really look at this team. So we're gonna we're gonna try and look at both without overwhelming you. Um, but let's st- let's stay with um, let's stay with it for just a second. So the Giants won thirty-eight to thirty-one at home. Uh, thirty-eight points is is an accomplishment, and it, I know that's I think one of the things that are fueling a lot of Giants fans' expectations. Uh, it's the first time we've really seen the offense put up points in a long time, and I mean that even includes a twelve and four season, eleven and five season, whatever we were in twenty sixteen. Uh, you know, just we weren't putting up points that year. It was just a good overall effort, some big plays, a lot of health, and a very, very good defense that year. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
We were in every game. I don't know what our record was against the spread. It probably wasn't very good because the games were so close. They were relatively low scoring. Um, you know, let's remember what Tampa Bay really is. They are an historically bad defense on track to be one of the worst defenses in modern NFL history. Having said that, you still have to execute. And, you know, these games are really tough to tell. Is this team making progress or not? But I don't think this team in week three or week four could have done what they could have done even against a team like Tampa Bay. So I, I, I think you did see a little progress. I mean, obviously, we've reshuffled the offensive line multiple times since week two, week three. Um, that's the biggest part of this is that when you see Eli Manning have time to throw, I don't care who it's against, he can still be effective. And you couple that with a running game that all of a sudden is really starting to gel. You know, the, you're seeing the vision of what Pat Shermer wants to do with this offense. Let's not get crazy and think this is a playoff team or, or can do this against, you know, a Chicago defense or some of the better defenses in the league. But at least we've proven we are not one of the five worst teams in the league right now. And I think that should be you know, somewhat refreshing to the people that are the glass half full segment of the giant fandom. Yeah. And I think you hit on all the major points here. Uh, this, while it may have looked similar to was not the 2008 giants offense. Uh, I mean, this isn't a dominating team by any stretch of the imagination. Like, like you said, Tampa Bay stinks. Um, San Francisco stinks, uh, especially when you consider they're not playing with their starting quarterback or even their backup quarterback. Uh, but I will say, taking a step back, this was, on the offensive side of the ball, some serious domination. I mean, it was just absolutely, right from the get-go, the first drive of the game, there was no stopping Saquon Barkley. And this wasn't Barkley making something out of nothing. This is Barkley making something after he's getting contacted three yards downfield already, not three yards in the backfield. Um, I think that the addition of Jamon Brown, plus obviously some serious depth issues for Tampa Bay in the middle, allowed Barkley to hit the hole hard and essentially be unstoppable. There was no answer for him. I believe he had one play for negative yard, maybe maybe two, and two or three yards for runs for one yard. The rest were all four or more, which is more than just ideal. That's like astounding. Uh, he ended the day with 27 ca uh, touches for 142 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, and also two catches for an additional 10 yards and another touchdown. I mean... I don't think you can draw up better stats for a running back. Now, again, Tampa Bay is a bad defense that is missing two linebackers. And has fired their defensive coordinator and was down to safeties, too. I mean, they are an absolute train wreck. But I think just looking at what Saquon Barkley was doing – how he was hitting holes and being more assertive compared to what he was even doing in weeks two and week three, you are seeing development at a rapid rate from, you know, he doesn't look like he's a rookie anymore being a little tentative. 
he was hitting holes when he needed to hit holes, and he was, you know, gashing defenses when it was time to be gashed. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's amazing how silent social media was about uh, play calling this week. You know, it's it's funny to me how play calling doesn't seem as stupid once the run blocking is actually working. I mean, may, well, maybe I'm crazy, but... Uh, well, Grump, I, I think the problem with the play calling not necessarily was play calling throughout the game. It was decision-making at critical times. Maybe, no, I no, mean, no, no. That's you. That's a legitimate concern. Yeah. And, yeah. and we'll get to I, that in just a second. But Yeah, I mean, I've, been much more, I've been much more critical on this coaching staff for, like, are we going for it on fourth down? Are we going for two down 15? Things like that. The play calling on a, you know, drive by drive, play by play basis, I think has been, you know, we are what we are this year. Until we get better, this is what we are. So I haven't had a beef with that. Yeah, but I mean, I think there's something. I mean, maybe this is obvious, but maybe it's not. Um, I don't really think it matters what plays you call if your team sucks. If you're yeah. not talented, you're not going to move the ball, even if you have. You know, some incredibly creative play drawn up for every single play. Um, we didn't see anything truly different about the play calling this week. I mean, we saw the same sweep play this time to Beckham. Last week was to Shepard. Beckham's had that play a couple of times this year. A lot of runs right up the middle. The difference was the runs right up the middle were, you know, working. They just simply worked. It's because... Mm-hmm. You know, a lot, I think, can be credited to Jamon Brown. I think a lot also can be credited to a injury-riddled Tampa Bay defense. But <clears throat> I think this is the offense that they have in mind, and this is what they want. We saw the play-action work beautifully. Eli Manning went 17 of 18 for 231 yards and two touchdowns. That is as perfect as you will ever see Eli Manning. It might have been the best game he's ever played statistically. Um, it might be one of the best game statistically of any quarterback in the last 10 years yeah. I mean quite frankly yeah and and I think that that's really what this offense is going to be I mean this is what they're trying to tailor towards this is his system it can work with a quarterback that is you know not mobile or you know maybe he can't throw 70 yards downfield but he's accurate he's smart he can read defenses and he just needs protection yeah, but you can say that about any quarterback in this league. I had a tweet today that someone said, you know, oh, well, Barkley bailed out Eli. I'm like, no, the offensive line bailed out Eli and will yeah. bail out every quarterback in this league. You know, you give a guy time. I mean, the one time I think Brown got pushed back into Eli, you know, there was a bull rush or something and he couldn't handle it. He got sacked. I mean, Eli is never going to be the guy. He never has in his career, and certainly not now as someone when pressure's right up the middle. He's not going to go side to side, go forward to get out of it. He's going to get sacked. You have to minimize those opportunities where he is dead duck back there. And for the most part, you know, other than that one play that sticks out to me, they did that. Now, again, the million-dollar question, and people need to kind of cool their jets a bit, is it because it was Tampa Bay or because of having Brown inserted at left guard, a right guard, that we really see strides in this offensive line? Let's see it next week to start. Yeah, and I, I think it's fair to say that it could be both, right? Sure, could be, sure. 
you know, I, I think as we look at this from an up-close perspective, we can say that Tampa Bay stinks. This is a win. They did they did what they needed to do. They needed they should have won this game. They needed to win this game and they won it. Yeah, we both we both predicted a win, didn't we? I predicted 35-31. You were I think maybe a little lower in the score, but you predicted a win as well. Yeah. I I did have a fear that we were going to get like surprisingly blown out real early. But yeah, yeah. I mean this this team sucks. Tampa Bay's a friggin' wreck. I mean, now they're I they just reported this afternoon that uh, they're going back to Winston starting. So they have now four times this year changed what their starting quarterback is. You have a dead man walking as a head coach. You've already fired your defensive coordinator. You have six guys on the defense out for injuries. I mean, they are, as we said earlier, one of the five worst teams in the league. The Giants have proved in the last two weeks they are not one of the five worst teams in the league. That is a start. Now, we can debate all we want, whereas that's good or bad for the future of the franchise as far as draft picks, but where we stand after week 11 in the NFL is we are not one of the five worst teams. And I don't think anybody felt that four weeks ago. No, exactly. And and I think the most important thing is that we can take a step back and look at this game as growth. Um I think there was a shift in what we've seen from Barkley most notably. Uh, obviously, he's not getting drilled in the backfield, but there is a more decisive hole hitting, um, one cut and go, and he's, re- I mean, really hitting the hole hard. And this was one of my concerns watching him in college is that I didn't see him doing this often, but when he did hit the hole, you know, between the tackles, it didn't look like he was... It didn't look like he was accelerating to his full speed and really getting a full head of steam into the hole. And, you know, we didn't see a whole lot of this that this year, but, I mean, we could all give him a pass in that as soon as he had the ball, he had to do a spin move just to get away from the defensive end crashing on him. But today, I mean, it, 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 yesterday it was just out of nowhere. I mean, just right through the hole. Um, well, I think, I think Grump, a bigger sign also is that, you know, in prior weeks, you saw him with 11, 12 receptions. A lot of those are just dump-offs because pass rush. Uh, you know, I've, I, I need an outlet. And you're not seeing him having to rely on that outlet as much because there was more time to throw. So that was, you know, seeing that ratio of passes to run attempts from Barkley is a good indication of how the offense was playing. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because the Eli Manning uh, slander, I guess I'll say, most of the year was simply if he did anything bad that was really obvious, it would be pointed out. And if something wasn't his fault, there would be some sort of backlash in, you know, that was a little bit intangible, something you could kind of guess at or throw in the universe. And the most notable was all he does is check down. Well, guys, you know, when you fake a handoff, turn around, and you're already being tackled, you kind of throw to the only guy you know is there you're not really looking downfield. And I think this was the first time we really saw Eli Manning with most of a clean pocket. And, you know, we didn't see a whole lot of the check down. And when we did, it was again under pressure very early. Uh, Of course, I can't say anything like that without the fine print of, yes, I still think that Eli Manning needs to be upgraded. Yeah, I know. Okay. I just trying to be fair. but But that's an argument for another day. That's an argument about 2019 in the future. Let's, 
mean, right now we're trying to be objective about 2018. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ralph Acciano had a pretty good tweet today about Eli Manning's current pace. Yeah, so statistically. The pace he's on, his completion percentage is a career best 69.1%. Passing yards, 44-71, his second-best career. You know, t- touchdowns, 21. Interceptions, only 10, a career-best. A passer rating of 96.5, a career-best. Number of times sacked, 57, a career-high. What does that tell you? That tell. I mean, you know, we understand about things like passing yards and completion percentage because a lot of it's checked down and stuff. But passing rating reflects all that stuff. If you're having to check down and you're completing passes for two yards, three yards, that significantly hurts your passer rating. If he's having a career best passer rating, you know, that's telling you that it's not all just little dump offs and check downs and, you know, doing things like that. So, again, Eli is kind of like how Odell Beckham is, where people are looking for things to gripe and bitch about. And if you look at the entire body of work, is now we're getting to 11 games of a 16-game schedule. He's not as brutal as you think he is, with the caveat if he has time to throw. Yeah, and and I I mean I hate to make this about us, but I mean it's kind of what we've been saying all along. I mean, oh, go ahead and make it about us. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think it's it's incredibly intelligent of us to say that it's always kind of been that way with him and when you start to have drop off with age you know the mobility is one of the first things to go and while he was maybe able to navigate the pocket better as a younger quarterback not so much anymore that doesn't mean that he's automatically horse shit and that he's the problem yeah that's what kind of quarterback he is he's not Aaron Rodgers he never has been never will be he's not John Elway never has been never has will be Look at the last couple of years of Dan Marino getting older, you know, didn't have an offensive line. It was as good as what he had during the, you know, his quote unquote glory days with, you know, Duper and Clayton. He struggled because he had no pocket and he, he's not a guy who can make something out of nothing. Eli's the same way. I think one of the biggest things to take away from this game, from an up close point of view and from a step back point of view, is that. It is becoming clear to me that with the addition of Jamon Brown, the biggest problem on this team is the pass rush. Now that Jamon Brown has been added, and it seems to be that the running game is starting to work. I mean, it's not even. I'm, I'm not even going to look at stats. I'm literally looking at what's on the film. Uh, the pass protection looks a lot better. The running game is looking a lot better. This pass rush has just been brutally terrible um tampa bay has at best a decent offensive line that's generous yes i mean let's not forget though let's not forget offense has not been a huge problem for them this year Mm -hmm. um they've put i think they might be the highest scoring offense in the league believe it or not or that maybe they were until this week and new orleans maybe passed them but i mean they're no juggernaut but but offense is really not if you were rebuilding that team you got to worry about something on defense first. You know, obviously you have your quarterback questions, but they they have a decent offensive line and enjoyed clean pockets all game long. We were able to manage one sack and maybe a hurry. Mm-hmm. Maybe. That's just unacceptable. 
It's not and, acceptable. And, and also, while you know we had they had time to throw, guys were open all over the place too. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they they were just moving down the field. Yeah, yeah. With the exception which makes, of which, which it makes it amazing how often they keep switching quarterbacks and keep benching guys because it on the surface, you know, obviously you don't watch every single buck game, but to your point, this offense looks like it moves. Well, I mean, a lot of it, I think, goes to head coaching head scratchers, like uh, going for it on fourth and one in on the first drive of the game inside the five. Uh, and, and not only that, but calling a quarterback sneak when you have a, a pretty decent running back. Dirk Cutter will not be the head coach 25 minutes after the last game this year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I think a lot of it also goes to quarterback ineptitude. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick does bonehead shit. He has his whole career. Why he's been a perennial backup. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's one interception that you can say is really not on him, but the other two that he threw were just pitiful, just mm-hmm. awful. And, yeah. uh, you know, Jameis is not a whole lot better. He's never really matured mentally in terms of the game, you know, or not uh, off the field as well. But, I mean, the interception he threw at the end of the game, I'm – I just don't understand. I mean, Deshaun Jackson could not have been better covered. Well, the the, the pick that Fitzpatrick threw, that just basically was a glorified punt. It's inexcusable on any level of, in the game of football. He literally just threw it to Curtis Riley. Yeah, I mean, it was almost he could have fair cat caught it. It was yeah. so bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other one he threw, though, was, was he threw it right at Michael Thomas. He was in perfect position on O.J. Howard. I have no idea what he was... I mean, I couldn't even believe I was in my seats. I was like, is he kidding me? <laughs> um, but, but, Grump, but, Grump, this is this kind of adds to our bigger point. I mean, we can talk about the Bucks all day. We can do our own Just Bucks podcast. But as ineptitude as they are, what does this really mean about us? I mean, should Giant fans be excited that they have a chance to make a run? Or is this something where they are just not as bad as – the competition for the last two weeks, and it's fool's gold. I think it's both. Um, I think that there is some fool's gold in here. Uh, the Giants' offense actually looks like it's making strides. There are minor adjustments, minor tweaks to the personnel. We're seeing some growth in Barkley in the offensive line, uh, and and that's that's good. You know, we have seen zero an improvement in the defense all year, and and it's bad. Uh, it, it's just simply awful. Now, should fans be excited because they're winning games? Absolutely. You should always be excited when your team is winning games. I don't care about draft position and all that other stuff. But, you know, what does it really mean about the team? What does it say about the team, these wins? Right now, very, very little. Um, you know, I'm excited that we didn't lose these games. I, I can say it like that, right? I yeah. mean, these are games that should have been won, and they were won. Uh but am I going to take it with a grain of salt as that, you know, these are games that were supposed to be won? Yeah. Uh, they're going to have a real couple of challenges coming up with Philadelphia and Chicago. You know, they don't necessarily have to be wins against those teams. But if we can see the trends continue, the patterns continue in that direction, I think that's a much more likely 
scenario that Giants fans can still be excited about. You hit the you hit the nail around the head right there. It's you can be happy without being delusional. I think right of now course, we're seeing yeah. some people being a little delusional. Hey, we're only three out of the division. Well, even let's just look at that for a second. We're three and back in the division, but we lost every tiebreaker so far. We we'd have to win in Philly, win in Washington, beat Dallas last game of the year to even just to even up the tiebreakers to get to where we need to be. So I I really think Grump, you're absolutely right. What you want to see is is this offense offensive line really going to play better against better teams? And I get it that Philly is kind of a train wreck right now. They are still better than us. They oh, yeah, especially talent. on they the still, lines. They still have more talent than we do. Um, you know, let's – if we can go into Philly on a Sunday in November and, you know, beat them consistently on both lines, then maybe we have something. Maybe you can see, you know – we're really on the uh, the path to you know not being one of the worst teams in the league, but something we can build on for 2019. But I would really just look at this team one week at a time, one half at a time, one quarter at a time, one snap at a time, because you know just keep in mind we played again two of the five worst teams in the league, and we almost lost both of those games. Yeah, and I think that's fair. Um... I mean, of course, if the Giants were to somehow run the table, it's not that we're not rooting for that. I'm just trying to – I tried to stay right in the middle, you know, as realistic and not delusional as possible. It's why I wasn't losing my mind when this team was falling apart literally three weeks ago. And it's why I'm not losing my mind with, you know, anticipation now after two straight wins. I still see this team – for the most part, the same way I saw it a couple of weeks ago, the difference is now I'm seeing a couple of changes here and there that are encouraging. Encouraging, not exciting. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even looking at the division. I'm not even looking at the playoffs. I'm not even looking at, you know. I had to look it up before we did the show. I wasn't even sure who the hell was in first in the division. Yeah. I mean, really, you know, it's never happened in this league. It's never come close to happening in this league. And again, we have none of the tiebreakers in our favor. If we were three and seven, but we were two and one in the division, eh, maybe, you know, there's a snowball's chance in hell. But again, you're expecting this team to go on the road against division rivals. You know, it, never mind you know, the rest of the schedule. It's just focus on seeing things of improvement, seeing the offensive line playing better, see the improved development of Saquon Barkley. Seeing Eli Manning is not, you know, six feet under in a in a in a coffin right now. Those you know, see that you have hope that this coaching staff is, you know, not just McAdoo-esque and maybe something that we can build on for the future. That's what you need to focus on going forward. You know, don't you know, don't talk shit basically <laughs> to make yourself sound stupid because any talk about you know making the playoffs, you really do kind of sound stupid right now. Yeah, when we're, when we're talking about this, we're talking about Monday to Saturday, what you're looking yeah. at when you look at this team on Sunday. By all means, you know, if root for your team, root yeah, for of them course, to win. Yeah. yeah, we are not in that position right now. We are no longer in the position to worry about the first overall pick, or you know, quite frankly, a top five pick. 
I mean, if we really, you know, we can discuss this all off season, what we would need to do to get ourselves in position to draft one of the best quarterbacks. And Grump and I don't live in a universe where it's Herbert or bust. Mm. We haven't done any of our analysis yet. You know, we have seen more college quarterbacks than most of you people have seen, but we're not ready to even make our ranking of one through five. Don't even think about that right now. Think about, you know, how is this team working on getting better? So when they get ready to the off season and, you know, free agency trades, draft OTAs, mini camps, that this team will get better. So we're competitive next year. And we're not talking about a lost season on October 12th. Yeah. And to kind of bridge the gap between what we're talking about now and what we were just talking about before, just as a little foreshadowing, don't be surprised to see some serious offseason moves along the defensive line and in the linebacking group. Um, you know, don't I don't want to hear any shock and awe if the Giants don't draft a quarterback, but instead go for somebody that can be a difference maker on defense. Because again, like I said, this defense is embarrassing. I I quite honestly think that there is maybe two to three people on that roster right now that are untouchable. I mean, there's going to be people that are going to be cut, released, traded, given away that you are like, how can that be? I mean, this roster, I mean, okay, we've seen some progression in the last two weeks, but this team still sucks. I mean, yeah. this team is still a bad football team. You know, it, it needs a major overhaul. It needs... You know, we are seeing some improvement in the offensive line. It is still a below-average offensive line. We are seeing no pass rush. We are seeing tight ends run free. We are seeing, you know, underachievement at tight end. We're seeing underachievement at quarterback. We're seeing a lot of things that have to be completely rebuilt. So don't fall in love with anybody on this team unless they're Saquon Barkley, Will Hernandez maybe, yeah, and... I don't know. Beckham. <laughs> if you're not already Beckham. in love with Beckham, yeah, you can start now. Exactly, just for his contract considerations. But you will see you will see guys you think that are like untouchable that are not untouchable. Yeah. Um that's that's pretty much last week in a nutshell. Um I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. I was at the game. It was fun to watch. I hope you guys are still having fun this season and not uh not totally down and out here. Um yeah, I, I think what this, I think what yesterday did was it stopped the rooting for us to lose because, quite honestly, you know, once you're talking about the fifth versus the sixth pick or the fifth versus seventh, that's a whole different ball game than the first pick. Yep. We are not going to get the first pick in the draft anymore. We are probably going to be somewhere between four and eight, depending on how the cards fall. Um, still in line for a difference building player a franchise player it may not be the guy you think or want we want to get and again there'll be a lot of research into who that guy is needed so just chill out and look for the progression look for little things that are saying this team is going in the right direction that's what we'll be doing the rest of the year yeah and uh throughout the offseason as always you can find us on itunes and soundcloud just giants pod just look that up. Subscribe, please. If you if you already listen, tell a friend, and also, you know, give us a five star rating and a review. Uh, it goes a long way. 
Um, we're also on SoundCloud. I'm not sure if I just said that, but um, <laughs> all the episodes are also bumped on Twitter at, at Just Giants Pod. If you guys don't check your iTunes or SoundCloud often, um, it will be bumped there by myself also. I'm at football underscore grump, where I'm also a lot more active on things outside the scope of just the Giants and more in the NFL business. Um, and I just kind of, you know, I'll interact with you, you know. <laughs> And you can find us as always on SoundCloud. Uh, and and if you can't find us anywhere, find us on SoundCloud because we are on SoundCloud. So subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes too. So you can catch me as always on Twitter at the Cranky Fan. I will be at Poolside the rest of the week in here in Maui, but I will obviously be tweeting about the Giants and the Gators. I have a massive Florida, Florida State game where we have to settle all scores. I sell one score at the Bucks on Sunday. I need to settle a bigger score this Saturday against Florida State. So you can listen to me rant and rave about Florida and Florida State on my companion podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan, where me and Mark McLeod talk about all things Florida Gators. So um, please leave us a five-star rating and a review for this program. All you Giant fans, we appreciate you out there. Um, we will get ready for the Eagle game. I have no idea if I will be on or not. Depends on my connectivity here in Maui. Depends on how many Mai Tais I had. Depends on you know what's going on. But Grump for sure will be on. My availability is TBD. Yeah, and um, we hope that you guys have a great Thanksgiving and that you can catch the Cranky Fan on his comedy tour. Uh, he is in Maui <laughs> right now. And he'll come home to Manhattan eventually. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure if we're going to have both of us on for a preview episode. Um, I do know for a fact it will not be recorded on Thanksgiving. Uh, (laughs) That's a safe bet. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, it might be something Saturday morning. Uh, Follow us on Twitter for updates on that because we got to work that one out. But nevertheless, I will be live tweeting the Eagles game at 1 o'clock on Sunday. And um, I, I hope to see you guys on Twitter watching the game as well. Yeah, I, I will be flying home from Hawaii on Sunday. I hope to land around late third quarter. So I was very lucky that we had Wi-Fi out here. So if we do on the way back, I will be watching the game on um, you know a Sunday ticket, and I will be tweeting as I go along. So I will be with you guys in spirit if I can't be you know, watching live. And as always, let's go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.